to a very holiday, happy, happy holiday edition of the Slow Home Podcast. Happy hostful holiday hamper. Woohoo. Hurrah. <laughs> I could have said hooray and I chose hoo-hoo. <laughs> Look at now. So there you go. Ha- oh, yeah, welcome to uh, the uh, the final episode of the Slow Home Podcast for the two- final episode ever <laughs> for 2015, and it's a uh, hostful, and it's uh, it's what we're doing right now. Cool. Why is it the final episode? We are. Uh, we've, we've spoken about it a lot, but we've decided to walk the slow living walk and take. Uh, a bit of time off over the holidays. We'll take at least two weeks offline completely, both of us, and also just to take some time off production of the show. And um, next year's going to be a big year for a whole host of reasons. And it was, you know, it just felt like the right thing to do. So I apologize for anyone who feels a bit sad that we won't be on air for five weeks, but we'll be back next year and it's going to be awesome. Now, come on. What's the real reason why this is our last podcast of the year? Um, because I want to go to the beach. <laughs> because we're going on a holiday where there's no internet. Yes. <laughs> no, the real reason is this little podcast, Podcast, has been awarded by iTunes in its top 10 new podcasts for 2015. Yay. Hooray. It was very exciting. Congratulations. Thanks. Congratulations to you. Thank you. I've said a million times this show would actually not exist if it wasn't for you because I cannot bear to listen to myself speak. So, uh, yeah, thank you. You say the nicest things. So, why? <laughs> you have to listen to me speak. <laughs> so, what does it mean? Um, just that iTunes, the editors at iTunes. So, this is, yeah, so this is iTunes Australia. Uh, Yeah, it's for Australia. I don't know if it was the editors at iTunes Central. The email that I got was from iTunes HQ, but it it was awarded for the Australian market. market. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But it was just a nice thrill. Yeah. So thank you to every single person who has listened to the show over the year, the past nine, not even nine months, and reviewed and shared and rated it because all of that has helped get it in front of more people absolutely yeah absolutely it's been wonderful it's it's been a lot of fun what's really pleasing i think from my perspective is that the you look at the other you know podcasts in that top 10 and we're the only pog past <laughs> we are the only pog past in the world actually and secondly all the other ones are established sort of media identities if you know what i mean so people that uh, have a backing of a, a large corporation or an organisation. So it's quite nice to be one of the few, I don't know whether it's the only one, but one of the few independent podcasts uh, and that gets listened to. You know, yeah. It's awesome. There are there are other independents, but um, it's it's cool to just be able to kind of swing it with the, the big kids. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> so we're celebrating and having a having beer. Having a beer. While we record this. So, big congratulations. As you said, couldn't have been done uh, without the support of our wonderful listeners and who contribute not only with their ears but also with their dollars and cents. Yes. As we've mentioned on a few shows before, we do have a Patreon page where anyone who would like to contribute 
you know, up to a, from as little as a dollar a month can can do that. Uh, and just wanted to give a little shout out to a handful of people who've done that in the last couple of weeks. Couple of days. Couple of days. We've got Rosie and Rox and Claire. Thank you very, very much for, uh, you know, taking the time to, to check out the Patreon page and deciding that you wanted to support us financially. That sort of stuff just, it helps us a lot in, in things as, as simple as covering our hosting fees. Uh, so it's much appreciated, and thank you. And you would think that that may increase in the near future. Our hosting fees? Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> There's a little spoiler out there for everyone. I'll let that go through to the keeper. Yeah. No, it's not a Quidditch term. No. It's, it's a cricket term. Sports ball. Sports ball. <laughs> So, if you couldn't guess, we're, this may be a little loose. <laughs> we have a cracking show to get through, so I think we should, without further ado, ado to you and you and you, I think we should get into it. Let's get into it. We've got three excellent listener questions. Um, you guys send in such like awesome, insightful questions that kind of make me a little bit nervous when I'm answering them because... They're not like they're not simple, but that's what makes them uh, important, and that's what makes them like I don't know necessary and interesting for you to listen to. And as always, if you have questions that you'd like us to answer on upcoming hostful shows, or um, you know, in some other way, you can hit us up on Facebook, uh, just facebook.com/slowyourhome, or Twitter. I'm at Brooke McCallery, and uh, you can also send us an email. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it. All right, the first question has been sent through by Shell. And Shell asks, growing up in a small country town in regional New South Wales, I watched mum and dad volunteer on numerous committees in the community. It formed the fabric of the town. How, did, how do you keep the balance between slow living and community service? <laughs> this is quite a timely question for me. This year I found myself probably tilting out of balance with the... Uh, community service things that I found myself helping out with, um, but it's a really Agreed. yes, it's a really really tricky question. I think because a huge part of slow living is community. You know, almost every guest that I speak to on the show, in some way, will speak about the importance of community in their like their personal journey or the the things that they're trying to work towards or the things that have helped them to learn to slow down and simplify it, you know, something as, as little as sharing a meal with people, but also being involved in wider community minded kind of projects. So it's a community service and, and being community minded, community minded is absolutely important and, and vital. I think uh, to the process of slowing down and becoming more, I guess, expansive in our ideas of the kind of world we're creating but I think a good place to start is to ask ourselves why we're doing it. There are undoubtedly 
the majority of people get involved in community projects for the right reasons, which is to have an impact, to help out maybe a project that they think is worthwhile, to, you know, to, to leave things better than what they found them. They're awesome reasons to do it. There are other people who maybe think that that's their reason, but sometimes it's more about um, appearances, appearing to do the right thing, or they're feeling obligated to do it. Uh, they feel like they're being guilted into doing something. They find that they're operating under other people's agendas in signing up to help out. They're not great reasons to do it because from that comes resentment, from that comes... Um, so I think it's really important to to have that uh, in the back of your mind as you are either approached to to be involved in something or are thinking about being involved in a community service project, ask yourself again, and I, I mean, I come back to this all the time, what's my why? And I think if you can identify that as being something that you want to be involved in, first of all, uh, something that you think will benefit your community in some significant way and that you uh, feel aligned with, I think they're really good places to begin, but also don't be afraid to say no. Um, you know, and I think something else to add to that is kind of similar to what happened with me this year. I was more than happy to sign up to this particular community, you know, project, but um, it kind of blew up in a way that no one, to be fair, absolutely no one thought that it would. So it became this big big part of our lives without it kind of without us planning for that to be the case in that in that instance you either ha- have to decide I'm staying and I'm going to make the most of it I'm going to do my best or I'm out and be okay with either of those but sort of accept that what happens after that is what happens um, yeah so I think feel free to say no and you don't have to offer a reason you're not obliged to offer a reason for why you say no to certain things. But also, you know, give yourself a gut check. And if you feel like it's going to take too much time or you have that time to offer, then that's a good indication of whether or not you should say yes. Because at a certain point, it becomes counterproductive. Yeah, I, I think so. I think what I think was unfair when you're talking about community this sort of work this i'm going to call it unpaid work it's it's essentially volunteering yeah. you're volunteering your time and energy for the benefit of community in a, in a non-paid yeah, um non-paid in terms of monetary um involvement with with uh, the community which now, is fine it, it's absolutely fine and, and it's important it is essential yeah to not only sort of small towns but i think anywhere particularly with schools i think uh there's a lot of i think there is an unfair expectation in society that um, mothers mostly mothers i will say mostly um provide free labor for the school in Mm -hmm. related activities so whether it's helping out at class helping out in the canteen the tuck shop helping out on school days or excursions or, sorry, sports days, excursions, you know, that sort of thing, that extra work, that yeah. extra. And it and it, I think there is an expectation. And for you, in what you've done in the last 12 months, it's been the equivalent, and I joke you not, it's been the equivalent of, of, of a full-time job. In, in certain periods, yeah, it has. It's been 
intense. Yeah. But look, and, and I think it's un- it's been unfair on you. And only because the way that things are set up, they're not set up for someone like me to be able to help because I just won't be available. I think there's things that I can do and that I definitely will be doing for next year to try and take the load off you. But I think for the majority of things, it's it's it's, it's an unfair expectation that society puts on mothers. There, I said it. <laughs> Drops the mic. Uh, but, you know, that's got a flip side too because I'm – fortunate enough to be around to help out with those things and while you know i don't think it necessarily needs to fall on a small percentage of people's shoulders to to you know to kind of carry that burden as you were talking about it is part of you know what i do and what i'm happy to do but i think kind of getting back to shell's question it's um you know there's a point where it becomes unsustainable even though you're doing things with really good intentions with really good uh, you know, projects or goals in mind, at some point it becomes self-defeating and, you know, you're trying to be community-minded because that's a goal, that's something that you're working towards maybe in, in the way you're changing the way you live your life and it then becomes this thing that makes all of that much harder. Mm. So I think it's just there is no perfect answer and there will be times where these things blow up. There will be times when... Um, we get interrupted <laughs> by our son for the second time in this podcast. I'd love to see your picture. Motosaurus. Fantastic. Wow. Motosaurus, Toe. Motosaurus. It's jumping up out of the water. No, it's inside of water. It's in the water. Hi, Dad. Hi, Dad. All right. Can you shut the door, please, Tobes? All right, thanks, mate. So what I'm trying to say is, you've done your fair share of of volunteering, yeah. Which is what, I, which is kind of what I'm saying. At some point, you need to just say, "I've done a significant amount of work yeah. for these community projects. Yeah. I'm really happy with what I've done. I can't yeah. do everything no. because it's trying to that do that like, that doing everything. Yeah, is what we're issue, trying to get away it's, from. It's yeah, it does. It's not necessary volunteering. It's everything. Exactly. It's can become, and I will say though that within the volunteering space, it's it's clearly an expectation that mothers will provide that free labour because everything is set up around what mums that either work from home, work part time, um, stay at home mums. That the whole system is set up for them, and it's it's really unfair to mothers, and I think it's unfair to others that work, you know, in the labour force, you know, full time. Just the way that system's set up, and that's what uh, that's what draw drew me to this question because it's something that's been very very important, I think, for us over the last six months, particularly. Yeah, I don't. Know. I mean. I'm torn because I think it's um you know it's necessary that people will volunteer and help out in certain situations and I don't I wouldn't necessarily say that it's not valued but it's probably not valued uh, I'm just talking about my my situation here it's not valued enough for other people to step in and actually try and help too um you know because everyone's busy so 
I don't know if that's in the slightest bit helpful for you, Shell, but um, please know that you're not alone in trying to work out what that balance looks like. Uh, and I'd also just more than anything, you know, encourage you or anyone else who's finding this similar kind of tension to ask themselves why. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear our kids or not. But, but their shouts, the shout whispering. The shout whispering just outside the door. <laughs> Be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Mum and dad are working. Uh, yeah, so um, just, just again. If there was one thing, can I just stop you there? Sorry for me yes. interrupting. If there was one thing that you could say to Shell, what would it be ask, as a piece of advice? Ask yourself why you want to do these particular kind of volunteer roles or take on these tasks for community service and ask whether or not it is in alignment with what you're aiming for in your life, you know, and you can't like, don't take on the guilt factor. Don't take on the fact that it's the, the, the idea that it's all your responsibility, because if you don't do it, someone else won't and it won't get done. You know what? That might actually be the case, but you can't own it all for everyone. You just can't. So I think be, be willing and, and, and able to say no when you feel the need to and, and try to not, adopt the guilt and the obligation factor of it. We hope that's helped. <laughs> it took us a while to get there, but that's what I would say. <laughs> I think because we were interrupted so many times. That's true. It's probably like a 30-second response. And it took us 45 minutes to record it. <laughs> <laughs> and now, I don't, know what, I don't know whether anyone can hear the, the change in the tone of our voices. It's <laughs> <laughs> so loud, loosey-goosey. The amount of interruptions we've had. Well, I'm enjoying this beer. It's your third one. <laughs> the second question is from Kirsty. Kirsty asked, "How do you maintain being slow while trying to get slow? My tendency is to go the whole hog and miss the journey." Amen. Such, hear, hear. Such a good question. Uh, and again, it's it's not. There's no easy answer, I think, because as people start to adopt this idea of slowing down and simplifying, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> World War Three in the bedroom next door. Um, it, you know, as people start to to adopt this this idea, they, you know, and it's human nature to want to go for it, like really get into it. Because, definitely a personality thing. Too. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, and. <laughs> This is our kids trying to be quiet. It's probably not even getting picked up, hun. Keep going. This is such a good question from Kirsty because it's absolutely something that virtually everyone who who starts to you know move towards a slower, simpler life will come up against because we get motivated and inspired and excited about you know the benefits of, of slowing down that we want to do all the things and declutter all the things and say no to all the things and you know it becomes if we're not careful a secondary kind of um, clutter, I guess, in our lives. You know, we're suddenly not um, being present in the moments that we do have because we're always thinking about the next way to improve, the next way to simplify, the next way to slow down. And I think to a certain extent, yes, you you need a level of enthusiasm to make headway because it's, you know, they're not easy changes to make necessarily. 
But I think you also need to learn to be okay with things not being done, things not being perfect, things not being exactly how you like them because, you know, first of all, that's life. And second of all, you're not ever going to get to perfection. Like things aren't ever going to be the, you know, exact image of what it is that you want. And you're going to, to waste and lose a whole, you know, whole host of opportunities and time and energy chasing it. So I think, yes, absolutely be enthusiastic. You know, work on maybe one goal or one project at a time I think is also helpful. But be okay with things just being okay. Be okay with things not being perfect. I think that would be probably the, the, my, the crux of my, my advice. Yeah. I've, I've got a personality exactly like Kirstine that I'll, I will – when I set my mind saying I just want to go at it 110% and whether it's exercise or something and then I end up running myself into the ground by running 10Ks just straight off the bat and, <laughs> and then dying. But it's it's so – would you think that, you know, when you start to talk to people about maybe decluttering, for mm. example, and you're like, okay, work on not only one room at a time but one section of the room, one – whether it's the hallway, the entryway, yep. whether it's that entry landing place, yep. you just keep that uncluttered for a week and then that's an achievement. Exactly. And then it, you just work your way. Then you spread into, okay, what's the next most disruptive area of the house and work your way into that and do a little bit of that. You know what I mean? And there's so you just, you're just biting off little little bits and pieces rather than tackling you know, a four-bedroom house on one, one day. Exactly. And then it's you almost... you become overwhelmed and it's self-defeating. You become overwhelmed. And if you do it that way, straight off the bat, you will then go back to the first part you decluttered and it's, it'll be almost back back to how it was. Yeah. It's like painting the Harbour Bridge. Yeah. You know, once, once the painting's finished on one side, they've got to go back and start, and start again. again. Yeah. It's exactly. like the job that never gets finished. Well, exactly. You know, and I think... Um, that's something that Belle and I talk about a lot in our workshops is the idea of starting small and it, small and consistent rather than big grand improvements sporadically. And I think that well, – I mean that, that's what's worked for us. It's not necessarily appealing to everyone but I think there is a lot to be said for just focusing on one improvement at a time. And, you know, it, it took time, a long time in most cases for – our homes to become cluttered, for our lives to become overwhelmingly busy, it's not going to fix itself or, or to become slow and simple overnight. It might have taken 10, 15, 20 years for a house to become as cluttered as it is. It's not going to, to clear out within a week. And I think just learning to have a bit of patience and learning to be okay. But then also, you know, because that, that for people like you or people like Kirsty who want it all done and they're, you know, they're really going the whole hog for it, Try and flip it around and look at the benefits that you're gaining from the work that you've already done. So you see the, you know, the benefit of, to continue talking about clutter, I guess, of white space or empty space or a more free-flowing room or a house that's easier to, to keep clean or less dusting or whatever. Just focus on the benefits mm-hmm. and you'll feel like you're making headway and it will be more of a positive thing that you can then sit in that room and enjoy the fact that it's uncluttered despite the fact that there is still whole areas of your home that you want to work on Mm. and i think the same can be said for any area of life 
um, like when I was talking to Ali Wright a couple of weeks ago, she was just talking about incremental improvements rather than, you know, going a whole full bore into, you know, a diet trend or whatever. Yeah. It's about making small intentional incremental changes and being okay with the fact that, um, you know, that, that it's not perfect all the time and it's actually not ever perfect. That's okay. That, that's the thing is yeah. that it's not ever perfect. But this is a – it's an interesting question because I'm just like – I keep on looking at it I'm getting different sort of meaning every time I look at it. So when – so perhaps Kirsty's already well into the journey, right? She is. Okay, good. Yeah. And it's almost like once you pass that first, you know, where it's always going to be tough because it's something new and, and, and everything, it's, it's so hard – to maintain the slow lifestyle when you know that when there's things need to be done, they need to be done and done to a degree that where you don't have to do them for a long, long time. Do you know what I mean? Like, no. what am I trying to say? Because we don't, we don't have the mess and clutter that we did. When we do clean this office, it's usually you've got to get in and clean it, clean it or not. You don't, you don't agree. It's a big clean rather than little clean? No, no, I think... More, more... I think the thing is, once you start to learn about slow Um, living... So just so I get this out of my chest, I don't clean this office. (laughs) I wasn't going to say anything, but that is true. (laughs) Full disclosure. (laughs) Um, And cleaning this office takes like maybe it's about 10 minutes. Okay, it's a bad example, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean, but I don't... Painting the house for an example. That's different. Mm, No. I'm finding... I'm struggling. Um, I see it more as once you start to explore slow living, like initially it might be you, you start with decluttering or you start with just meditating or something like that. And that's kind of your entry point into it. And then you start to learn more about it and start to realize what it is that you want from this kind of life. And you start to read or you research or, you know, you talk to people and suddenly you decide that you want to grow your own vegetables. So then there's that to add to it. And then once you started to grow your own vegetables and you're really enjoying that, maybe you want to start making your own bread and cut down on the plastics that you use. And, you know, so it's like this. Where do you stop? Well, that's right. You know, and I think it's it's more of an issue of what works for you, what's feasible for you. I mean, even with my conversation with B Johnson from Zero Waste Home a couple of episodes ago, she is someone who I've always viewed as really – hardcore and and you know really into the zero waste living in a an incredibly positive way but even she doesn't make her own bread yeah you know so people have their who were you talking to recently was it on a podcast or was it on one of your work work, workshops where you they ended up doing everything and going oh wow i need to like not make my own yeah that was b was that b yeah okay she was talking about when she first got into zero waste living she was making everything from scratch herself i I think she was even making butter and cheese and stuff like that that's the example you know she said that was just unsustainable because it's not just about zero waste living it's it's not just about zero waste it's also about living you know and same with slow yes you can do all of those things and you are living slow but there's not a whole amount of time left for living if you're trying to do all the things so i think it's a matter of figuring out what is um you know feasible and viable for you and then working that into your own personal goals you know what what is it again with the whole why why do you want 
to, to slow down? What do you stand to benefit from it? And I think if you can kind of meld the two together, all the things that you want to do that are part of slow living and then also in creating the kind of life that you want to live, I think... Uh, we are never, ever doing a podcast with beers again. I can't. I've got to start, start that again. That's so embarrassing. I am leaving that in. You are not. <laughs> that was a burp that came from your neck. <laughs> so anyway, I hope that is helpful, Kirsty. Also, Kirsty, thank you for coming to our workshop in Canberra. It was so awesome to meet you. Um, oh, all right. Okay. Yeah, Kirsty's Kirsty's made huge uh, improvements over the last like I don't know however long I've known her online for, but it's really cool to see. So, um, yeah, just take the pressure off yourself a little bit because it's not possible to do all the things anyway. So figure out which ones work for you, and then the other ones just find the best solution. Yeah. Cool. Okay, our. Next question, our penultimate question, is from Jennifer. Jennifer would like love to hear about ways to slow down when you have so much outside pressure for kids to be involved in things like podcasts. Between church, sports, birthday parties, meeting up with friends, etc. Sometimes I don't know when and how to say no. I've kept my son out of sports but now he's showing interest and I don't want to keep that experience from him any longer but I'm really not looking forward to practices and such Jennifer on the blog it's another really good question and something that I think applies to uh, almost every family at some point because there is a significant pressure on parents to give their kids as many opportunities as possible you know uh, as many extracurricular activities, be it sports, dance, drama, musical instrument, foreign language, uh, tutoring on top of that, it uh, becomes really overwhelming. And I think part of it is, part of it's having kids, you know, there are things that they're going to be involved in. But another part of it is about setting boundaries. And it sounds like Jennifer's really clear on the fact that it could very quickly become an overwhelming part of her life. So I yeah. think she's already aware of it, yeah. which is good. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. But, you know, so our kids didn't do any extracurricular stuff before they started school with the exception of swimming lessons because yeah. living in Australia, I feel like that's just a really good Pretty idea. Yeah. Um, you know, we swim constantly. Um, but then once they've started school, they have the opportunity to do one extracurricular activity um, at a time, and we leave that up to them. Our daughter chose dancing for the last for the past year, um, and she knows that if she wants to try something else, that's fine. But she won't be doing dancing while she's trying something else, and that's the way that we kind of try and keep it manageable. And with that, it's it is completely manageable because it's one class a week. And, you know, a concert at the end of the year. So I think having boundaries and, and some kind of framework that the kids understand from the very beginning is helpful. And, um, you know, I think not not falling into the trap of playing the, the comparison game and the the guilt and the should and the obligation kind of game where we feel like we're not necessarily – giving our kids the best opportunities. If we don't let them do every sport, every activity they want to do, they're going to miss out 
on something, um, they're going to miss out on something anyway. You can't do everything. And I think kids benefit so much from downtime and from being bored. Boredom, yeah. Boredom's a big thing from learning to be okay with nothing to do. Like our kids out there at the moment. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm a big believer in in boredom and downtime and outside, you know, imaginative playtime. Literally just get outside, go and do something on board, go and find something to do. I think when our kids, uh, you know, afternoons, mornings, evenings are all scheduled, there's just no time for that. And we're losing the ability to just be with each other with no yeah. goal, with no no agenda. I think that's, you know, that to me that is a big benefit and it's really helpful when I do feel those pressures for our kids to do more things. It's really helpful to remember that because once I remember that and remember the benefit of those things, it's easier to say no. Mm. I think – I don't think, Jennifer, you're going to have the an issue here because you're very aware that A – you recognize the fact that you find it hard to say no. So that's something that, you know, hopefully you'll be able to work on and and it's only through that awareness that you'll be able to. But also now that your son is showing an interest in in doing a sport, that's the best place to be because you don't – I think where where I've seen it and – Remember Carl Honoré? Yes. Carl Honoré, who Brooks interviewed back in... It was episode eight or nine. Yeah, single digits of Slow Home Podcast. Um, he did a series on the ABC here in Australia where he went, went around to families and saw what they were doing uh, after school and just part of their routines, really, wasn't it? It was all about yeah. routines. It was called fam- Frantic Family Rescue. Frantic Family Rescue. So it's about busy families, who's not busy, but these, I think, in particular. So there's a few couple of kids, but... Um, I mean, these families were some having are, oh, 17, some, 18 extracurricular activities oh, one a week. Oh, one of them was. One yeah. of them was. And, oh, no, actually, a couple were, weren't they? But you know what, though? It was more the parents. No, the par- I think the it parents... It wasn't necessarily the kids that were saying, I want to do... I want to go to soccer, I want to go to karate, I want to learn guitar. Like it was – it's the parents throwing that that yeah. sort of – Yeah, more and more the parent. what I found like repeatedly was the parents saying we want to give our kids more opportunities than we had. Um, you know, and I can understand that, but at some point I think it becomes you – know, These kids are exhausted. They're yeah. making them sick. I mean these, there was like a, a you know seven or eight-year-old boy who was doing – 14, 15-hour days. I think he was including school and all of his extracurricular activities. He was doing about 50 hours a week, which is, you know, it's really, really intense. Um, And I think, well, what's right for one family is is not going to be right for another one. So I'm not necessarily saying there's an arbitrary number. I do think it's really important to set boundaries, to embrace downtime and to understand that those things are benefits. They're not... You know, they're not a sign that you're being neg- negligent as a parent and not offering yeah. your kids opportunities. Absolutely. You're, you know, you're, if your kids are interested in something, if they're really into it, and you make it clear that they can talk to you about the things that they want to do, but you have those, you know, those boundaries in place, they can still pursue something that they're interested in. Mm. It's just, yeah. it's just not going to be something that takes over for the entire family. Yeah, you, you can't. You, you can have everything, but you can't have it at the same time. And that's a pretty good. Um, sort of bumper sticker, if you like. Yeah. Because our daughter, 
she's she she loved dancing and that's what she's been doing, but now she goes, oh, I want to get into drama, acting and stuff. So that's what we're doing, but we're not doing dancing at the same yeah. time. Otherwise, you could just see that like snowball on top of one another. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that puts a nice little bow on it. You know, we can do everything, but not all at once. Print it. Print it. All right. So our last question comes from Ben from the seat next to you. Um, what's been your biggest achievement of 2015? Oh, good question. So top ten iTunes? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's... That's awesome. That's like, massive. Like, great I still can't, reward. I can't actually believe it. We haven't even been going for a year. No. We started, what, in April? April. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's incredibly exciting and makes me really happy that it's resonating with people. Uh, also, being able to, to meet with people throughout the year when we did our workshops in Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane and Canberra, that was really, um, you know, wonderful to be able to meet so many of you face-to-face and have conversations and, um, you know, get to get to know you and really excitingly kind of see this community of like-minded people start to spring up in different areas. So that was really wonderful and Belle and I had an awesome time kind of doing that. And I think, well, it doesn't sound like it, you know, with what I've been talking about this episode, it's actually been also learning <laughs> – very much learning and continuing to learn the power of saying no. Mm. I think, mm. you know, um, I made some big changes in my work in about July, August of this year and cut a couple of really, really big uh, obligations from my work. I closed down the bloom after just a few months because it came really abundantly clear that that was not at all in keeping with the kind of life that we're trying to create. So, um, that plus, you know, no longer writing regularly on the blog has also been, you know, a shift. And I know that some of you miss the blog. Um, and, you know, maybe next year I'll be able to write much more sporadically, but a bit more on the blog. Um, yeah, so I guess continuing to tweak that balance between being and doing and, you know, slow. Yes, absolutely. But also, you know, getting things done. So I think. That's been kind of uh, a really – it's not necessarily achievement, but it's something that I will, I've looked back on this year and, and realised. Cool. I like it. I like it a lot. What are you most looking forward to for Christmas? For Christmas? Oh, I, I, I really love Christmas. We've done a bit of work, I think, over the last few years across all families to keep it really chill, which is so nice. We have a couple of tradition traditions. We meet with some of our friends on Christmas Eve Eve and have a really chilled catch-up night at one of our houses. Christmas Eve, we watch um, Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Holla. Um, every Christmas My favorite, Eve. favourite movie, one of top three. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so much fun um, just to be able to do that and chill. And then Christmas Day and Boxing Day are such laid back affairs now and I really look forward to just spending time with our family and you know eating seafood heaps of seafood prawns oysters Ben makes a, a good almond butter almond butter croissants 
Yeah, I'm just cardiac like, arrest. <laughs> I'm, and then you know, watch the cricket. Well, you guys watch the cricket on Boxing Day, and I have a nap. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Right. So that's Christmas done. What about you? Oh no, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. Same thing. Christmas. Yeah. Um, just taking time off work, forced leave, which was quite good, and um, just you know, we're slowing down and and looking to. Sort of get ready and smash the early part of next year. <laughs> Go into hibernation for two weeks because it is going to be busy. So why is it going to be busy? <laughs> um, so what does 2016 hold for you and personally and for your empire? My empire. My empire of one. Um, next year, we I've spoken a little bit about it on the Facebook page and kind of mentioned it very briefly in a previous episode, but next year we are launching... A podcast network. A podcast network? Yeah. So I know this is kind of <clears throat> flying in the face of doing less, but it's... Um, it's not just you, though. No, it's not, which is exactly right. It's not just me. Um, what I've learnt over the last year is that there are a huge number of people who have really cool stories to share and really, um, you know, inspiring messages to share and they don't necessarily know how to do it and I've I've really 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 fallen in love with podcasting this year the ability to speak rather than write I mean it means I say a huge amount of dumb stuff every week <laughs> whereas with my writing it was edited down to you know to the kind of an inch of its life tight little message that I wanted to to share but I just feel like uh I'm getting to know people and people are getting to know us and you know we're we're learning so much more about the slow you know, slow living and, and all the people who are kind of operating in different parts of it. And I've just, I've really, really fallen for, for podcasting. A lot of people feel the same. They just don't necessarily have the, you know, the time or the, um, the know-how to share their stories. So anyway, I've pulled together a handful of people, a handful of shows, and we're going to launch them at the beginning of next year. Awesome. What's the network called? Jackrabbit FM. JackrabbitFM.com. Mm-hmm. No, jackrabbit.fm. Ah, Jack Robert. <laughs> or Jack Rob. Jack Rabbit. Jack Rabbit.fm. Yes. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, we're launching. So, what are the shows called? Four shows. Well, obviously, we've got the Slow Home Podcast. And then uh, Kelly Exeter, who is a previous guest of the show, is um, launching a show with Carly Jacobs of Smaggle called Straight and Curly, and they basically are going to be um, testing life hacks every week. So, What do you like what? Um, I mean, any kind of life hack that is purported to make your life more awesome, they're actually going to try them out. Okay. Uh, you know, they come from pretty different kind of set of circumstances. Kelly's married with two kids, lived in Perth in the suburbs, and Carly is, you know, in a city, no kids, lives with her partner, uh, and they have just a completely different way of working. Yeah. Both um, big productivity boffins. Right. So I think there'll be a productivity bent to a lot of what they do. Okay. But that's going to be really fun. That'll be fun. Because so they're, yeah. They're different. So it'll be just all about the comparison, won't it? Like comparing how each. Exactly. How they, so every week they'll, they, yeah. they'll oh, try that, one out and then they'll report back on it. Is there going to be a formula? Like a, a, a you know, they, they always report on these different elements of the hack or. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I look forward to, see, to, yeah. to hearing about that. All right, so that's that's straight and curly. 
What else you got? What else we got? Well, we've got um, Kelly Exeter again and myself. Prolific. Yes. <laughs> We're uh, putting together a show called Let It Be. And it's conversations mostly. With the Beatles. <laughs> no. Uh, conversations mostly about, it's just between the two of us mostly. And we talk about uh, ways of being rather than doing. You know, she battles with kind of what we were talking about earlier actually with the the idea of trying to do everything and, you know, have everything on lockdown and kind of be the most efficient version of herself and that's something that I've also battled with to a certain extent. But we sit down and we talk through ideas such as um, legacy, um, you know, karma and deserving and entitlement um, and success and what that looks like and what that actually is and what it means to different people. Uh, and it's just thoughtful kind of conversations between the two of us. So I think that that's going to, to kind of resonate with a lot of people. And Kelly was one of my, my most popular guests on the show this year. So it's going to be fun to sit down every week with her and talk. Absolutely. So that's now three shows. Mm -hmm. Is there another? There's another one, yes. And it's a little bit of a departure from the other two. This, it will be um, called Sweet Nostalgia High. And uh, Stacey from Veggie Mama and Kylie Jacobs from Smaggle sit down every week and talk about one book of the Sweet Valley High series. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) I can't wait. Will everyone know what Sweet Valley High is? I would imagine so. What is it? Oh, it's, uh, I don't know. Francine Pascal wrote 170 books about these twins, Jessica and Elizabeth right. Wakefield, uh, back in the 80s, 70s, 80s, I think they started. And like, I read them all when I was a, a you know, young teenager. Okay. And uh, I know most people our age, most girls, women our age at least did. Cool. So it's a trip back down Nostalgia Lane, which is going to be really That's fun. awesome. The like, cool little book club. Yeah, exactly. And so with um, the Slow Home podcast, we're going to go through a do something a little bit different. We are. People have been asking us if we could possibly improve the show, get better um, at stuff and things. And they've also asked if we would be able or willing or interested in, in producing two shows a week because obviously one a week is not enough. So that's what we're going to do. It will will be will be publishing a show on Mondays and Thursdays as as we currently already do. But the Monday shows are going to be a bit different. It's going to be all about us. Yeah, Mondays will be just Ben and I. They'll be shorter episodes. But what we would like to do, there's a, there's a lot of slow living that I've kind of discovered or, or started to, to think more deeply about this past year as a result of speaking with people like B. Johnson. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about her particularly because of the zero waste thing. But um, a lot of it, we just have struggled to find the time, I guess, to implement a lot of yeah. the things that we've spoken to people about in terms of slow living. So yeah. next year, every month, we're going to, um, I guess, experiment or trial a new or a different element of slow living. And every Monday, we're going to sit down and talk about how we're finding it because I think chances are a lot of it we're going to find quite challenging. Yeah, so it's going to be things that guests on the show have adopted yep. that we haven't been able to trial ourselves and there's going to be other things that we we read about or research about that we're going to um, give it a go like for example um, a sim- simple things like an alcohol free month or doing daily meditation daily medica- uh, sugar free yeah. so, uh, sugar f- not eating sugar for a, fun sugar for a month 
um, daily meditation, um, the touch at once concept. Yes, it'll be a combination of, you know, th- I guess hacks of, of living more productively so that you do have more time to slow down and, and simplify, but also things that will have an impact on a certain element of, you know, our lives and as we continue to, to work towards a slower kind of life. <coughs> Guys, five minutes. Okay, we'll be five minutes. So that's what Jackrabbit FM looks like at the moment. Yeah. Um, and we're hoping that it gets bigger and better throughout the year. Um, there's a, a few other shows that we've got. Uh, we're just developing yeah. some more shows at the moment. Yeah, so that, that would add to, the, to this, the growing suite of shows. It's exciting. I'm smiling about it, just thinking about how much work I'm going to need to be doing. That's not helpful on this show. <laughs> Look at us slowing down and making no, our husbands work. No, it's going to be awesome. So I guess that sort of neatly wraps this show up. I want to personally thank each and every one of you and uh, wish you and yours a fantastic Christmas and New Year break. If you're joining us from the Northern Hemisphere, I'm incredibly jealous of the white Christmases that you're having and if you're in the southern hemisphere enjoy the beach barbecues and another b word boogie boarding that'll do because everyone lives near the beach uh yeah I just I actually just wanted to say a massive thank you to you guys for uh being part of the show this year when we Quite literally launched on a whim. I think I said to Ben at one point, I'd really like to do a podcast. He's like, okay. Um, and, you know, a week later we had started to record some of the solo shows and then I started interviewing guests and it, it really all just fell into place. But it would not be worthwhile in any way if it wasn't for you guys listening and people, you know, emailing me and contacting me on social media and telling me how they're improving and changing and slowing down and what that means for their life. So that... Is, has been just incredibly wonderful for us to, to hear all of that and to, to start to get to know you as a group of people. And um, I just wanted to say thank you for listening, thank you for sharing, thank you for yeah being, being you. It's been awesome. And just as Ben said, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, however you choose to celebrate. Just uh, a few extra messages here from our, our sponsors. Enjoy the podcast. Join podcast. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. <laughs> Have a good school holiday. Have a good school holiday and a good weekend. This has been another episode of the Slow Home Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe via iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening.